be seated all over the house. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning on the idea, and I don't know, this may be the last of the faithful messages that I've been in. I, I'm really not sure. I am feeling the close of it. I'm feeling God shutting it down in my spirit as I've been speaking the last several weeks on faith, but I am convinced this morning that I have a word from the Lord for you this morning. I'm convinced this morning that this is indeed the word of God and what God is speaking and uh, before I really jump into it, one thing that I do want to make sure that I do address is how many of you are excited for the Ascend Revival kicking off tonight? Come on. Amen. Amen. As I was in prayer this morning um, regarding this service and even tonight's service, one thing that I felt God saying is that this service would be a drawing. There would be a polling. God would pull his people close to him. But then I felt like in tonight's service there would be a delivering. I believe that there are yokes that are going to be broken, chains that are going to be shattered, captives are going to be set free. And I, I just believe that God is going to move in a mighty way. So invite your friends, invite your family, come out there to the tent, 273 Auction Ave. There's an event on Facebook page, you can check it out, and we would uh, we would love to see you there tonight. And uh, just excited, several ministries will be present, represent, uh, representing all week long. Different ministries is going to be powerful. Hebrews chapter eleven and verse six says, "But without faith, it is impossible to please God." So that we understand that faith is a, co a concept of connection with God. Everybody say it connects me to God. I would dare to say that faith is the currency of the kingdom. In other words, there is no transaction between heaven and earth in the absence of faith. But faith must be present in order for heaven to release what God is desiring to release. And there must be somebody in the realm of the earth with the currency of faith to be able to purchase what it is that God is wanting to do. And I'm not saying purchase as in you can buy faith, but I am saying that every man has been given a measure of faith and God puts a demand on faith in the realm of the earth so that heaven can release what has already been established and what has already been given. And so we find out that without faith it is impossible to please God, that there is nothing that happens in the realm of the earth in the absence of faith. Faith is the mechanism, it's the, it's the vehicle in which God travels on, on which the mercies of God, the provisions of God, the power of God, and the spirit of God show up. Where there is faith, God is active, God is alive. Where there is faith, the miracle can become common. Where there is faith, dead are raised, lame walk, and the sick are healed. Where there is faith, people receive beyond the natural ability, and they, and they know that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. <clears throat> but we find also in Hebrews 11 and 6 that it says that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. See, faith cannot be demonstrated outside of diligence. Can I tell you that this faith walk is a diligent walk? It's intentional. Nobody falls into faith. Y'all real quiet this morning. I said nobody falls into faith. You have to stir up. Matter of fact, Paul told young Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. That the faith is a fight. It's something that has to be worked for. It's something that has to be stirred up inside of us. And we know that every man's been given a measure of faith, but then we also know that sometimes the measure in which we've been given is not enough. 
So that now we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the reading of God's word. So if I don't have enough faith, that means it's not that God didn't give it to me. It's that I don't have enough word. But if I get in the word, my faith will arise. And the Bible says, let faith arise and every enemy be scattered. So now I discover that when my faith is built and my faith is high, the enemy is not able to be present. Oh, come on. This is good teaching this morning. But what happens? What happens? When faith is required in the face of silence. See, it's easy to believe when you feel God. It's easy to believe when you hear God. It's easy to believe when you can see God. It's easy to believe when you know that you know that you know that you know. But what about the moments of life where faith is required and it seems as though God is silent? What about the moments when we worship with all that's within us, but yet we don't feel God? What about when we read the Bible, the word of God, and it's like a dull, deafening sound over our ears, receiving nothing, perceiving nothing, and yet it's as though, as though we, are, we, are, we, we are getting nothing from the word. Come on, somebody. What about the moments where we go to get in prayer and when we pray it feels as though our prayers do not reach five feet above our head. They don't even hit the ceiling. They just hit the floor. What, what, what kind of faith is required in the moment when it seems as though God is silent? I want to talk to you this morning about keeping the faith in the face of silence. Matthew 15, I'll be short and quick. Matthew 15 and verse 21 says, and then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Let's go, guys. Next verse. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then, and then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be as unto you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. I want you to know this morning, for a few minutes, there is an ability to keep the faith in the face of silence. I want you to understand the backdrop of the story, the context of the story, because it is easy to keep the faith when you feel God. It is easy to keep the faith when you hear God. It is easy to keep the faith when God is moving, when you're praying and all of a sudden God is answering, where it's like you sow a seed and then you reap. It is easy to keep the faith where God is so tangible, but how do you keep the faith when God is silent? See, I believe that this story from Matthew 15 shows us a remedy of working through the silent seasons of our faith. 
I believe by the Spirit of God that there are some here this morning under the sound of my voice. You've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been worshiping, you've been doing all that you know to do, and yet it's as though God has turned the volume all the way down. There's a cry in your heart that says, God, I'm seeking you, I'm yearning for you, but God, I'm trying to keep the faith, but God, I don't even feel you, I don't even hear you. God, I no longer see you moving. God, are you even there anymore? How do you keep the faith in those seasons of silence? I want you to take note in Matthew 15 that this woman did not just have an issue. She had a severe issue. You can pull it back up, Matthew 15 in verse 21. It says that she had a severe issue, verse 22. Sorry, follow along with me. She had a severe issue. I need you to catch that. It wasn't just an issue. It wasn't just a little problem. It wasn't just a little ought. It was a severe issue. The same word severe comes from the word severing. In other words, this is the kind of problems that you feel like you got cut in. Something has cut her to her heart. It is a severe issue. I don't know about you, but there has been moments in my life where I desperately needed God but yet he was silent. There's been moments of my life where there was severity. It was severe. It was desperate. It was, it was, it was all that I could do to continue. It was, it was severe, but yet God was silent. See, I desperately needed a word. I desperately needed a miracle. I desperately needed a confirmation. I severely needed a revelation. And what was said in that situation could have, could have, could have been said in my very own situation. That, and he said not a word. Go to verse 23. She comes to him. She's crying. Help me. Help me, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. I don't know how much more I can take. I I'm at my breaking point. It's over. I don't know how much more I can go on. I can't take this anymore. Help me. And Jesus' response, and he answered her not a word. Verse 23, gentlemen. And he answered her not a word. And he answered her not a word. And he answered her, not a word. She is crying. She has lost all dignity. She has exposed herself in the city, weeping, crying, desperation. Help me. And Jesus says nothing at all. How do you keep the faith in moments where you know that you're pouring your heart out? How do you keep the faith when you really are crying those big crocodile tears? And when you, when you know songs that, that say, oh, rejoice, child, your cries have awakened the master, but you're crying and he sounds like he's still sleeping. How do you keep the faith in moments where you're saying all that you know to say? You're praying every prayer you know how to pray, but God is saying nothing. How do you keep the faith in seasons of silence? To compound it, she's crying out. He's not responding. But then, oh, it gets better. But then, those that are closest to the situation, watch this verse 23. 
those that are closest to the situation begin to say, get away from us. Get away from us. Get from here. You're too crazy. You're too desperate. You're too loud. Get away from us. It don't take all that. It don't take all that. You ain't gotta, you ain't gotta dance like that. You ain't gotta sing like that. You ain't gotta cry like that. You ain't gotta pray. It don't take, get away from us. How do you keep the faith when the one that you're calling on is not responding and the ones that are closest to you are telling you to get away from you? How do you keep the faith when not only God is silent, but the ones that you thought you could count on are silent too? We're just going to believe y'all silent this morning because we all up in your mailbox this morning. Let me talk to this morning to the person that is doing all they can to keep the faith in the face of silence. You're praying, you're fasting, you're reading the word, you're showing up to church, you're doing all that you know to do, you're reading your Bible, but God is still not saying a word. Can I tell you something really quick? If you're taking notes, write this down. Major revelation. You ready? You won't be able to find this on Google anywhere. You ready? Faith ain't easy. You got up, you got dressed, you got all pretty, you got all handsome, you got all clean to come here to hear the preacher tell you, faith ain't easy. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that in the last days there will be those that depart from the faith. Why? Because faith is hard. Faith ain't easy. Faith goes beyond sight. Faith goes beyond sound. Faith goes beyond feeling. And the reality of our faith is, is sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes it's extremely difficult. Sometimes the God that speaks is silent. Sometimes those that say they'll be there for us don't have time for us. And we're in our severe situation, crying desperately, and he is silent, and they are shunning. How do you keep the faith in moments like that? Hebrews 11 and 6 begins to tell us a little bit about diligence. But can I tell you something? If faith was easy, everybody would be doing it. I remember when I was a home builder, I would go and I would tell, I would train, I would, I would travel and, and, and do even seminars with, with different um, teams and I would tell them all that I'd known. And, and one time I had, I had met a, a, a he was a uh, owner of a home building company, large home building company, and he, and, and he was traveling all over Florida and going and I asked him, I asked him, I said, Dave, I said, tell me something. I said, it, it doesn't bother you to go out and I said, you're telling all these other home builders everything you do, why you do it, how you do it. You're giving them the documents to do it. And, and I said, that doesn't concern you that maybe you may create a, 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 a rival and somebody that could take from your business. And he looked at me and he said, no, Kyle, because I'll go. They'll pay me good money. They'll pull out their notebooks. He said, but he said, none of them will go home and put into practice what I'm teaching them. He said, because if it was easy, they'd all be doing it. My God, I came to tell somebody this morning that if this thing was easy, everybody be doing it. Why is there empty seats in the church? Because if it was easy, Everybody be doing it. Some people just lack the discipline to put in the practice of our faith. 
2 Corinthians 5 and 7 tells us about a little bit about our faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Some of y'all say, I don't know, I just don't see God. Good. You're not supposed to. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. So we find out that there is a measure of reward for those that ain't looking to see it. They ain't looking to feel it. They ain't even looking to hear it. And Jesus is saying there is a blessing on those that ain't looking for it with their natural senses, but they are moving forward by faith. Mm. Hallelujah. See, this woman pushed past the silence. She didn't let the quietness of Jesus keep her quiet. Woo, that's a word. I said she didn't let the quietness of Jesus keep her quiet. Do you know why some of you haven't reached your breakthrough yet? Because you came to God and you were loud, but he was quiet. And when you found out he was quiet, you got quiet too. And God said she didn't want it bad enough. He didn't want it bad enough. Because if they wanted it bad enough, they wouldn't have come for a reaction. They would have come for my movement. They wouldn't have come to hear something. They would have come knowing they were receiving something. But he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Notice this, that the Bible does not say in Hebrews 11, but those that come to God must believe that they hear him. Notice that the Bible did not say that those that come to God must believe that they see him. Notice that it did not say that those that come to God must believe that they feel him. But those who come to God must believe that he is. He is what? He is. He just is. He's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Come on. Hallelujah. Those that there will be many that will walk away from you. But he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor begging for bread. There, though they may walk away, I'll be there even when you can't hear me. I'm there even when you can't see me. I'm there. The song said it this way. Even when I can't feel it. You're working, you're working, you're working. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You're working, you're working, you're working. For as the word declares that faith does not come by sight. This woman pushed past the silence and she didn't let the quietness of Jesus keep her quiet. She didn't let the hush of his disciples to keep her from pressing in. But those that come to him, or Hebrews eleven six, must be those that diligently seek him. Somebody say diligently. See, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I don't want to get too far ahead in my message, but I would challenge you this morning. What if, what if what you have and what you're calling as severe was actually God's means to get you there? <laughs> What if he allowed the severity of something to come on your life so that you could in turn, watch this, not just receive the miracle, but learn how to increase your faith? 
What if the trial that was put on you was to teach you how to pray, was to teach you how to worship, was to teach you how to push past the silence? What if he said that this has not come because of sin, but that the glory of God might be revealed? What if this, what if this, I don't know what your this is. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your children, but what if this is so that the glory of God could be revealed? What, come on somebody. You understand that this woman came from Canaan, the Bible said. She traveled to a little town of Tyree City and she would have traveled 12 miles. Some of you don't want to drive five minutes to church. But some of you show up, some of y'all now driving 30 minutes because God allowed something on your life that said, I got to get out of Canaan and I got to get to where he, somebody tell me where Jesus is. Somebody tell me where, he's in Tyree. I'm headed to Tyree. I'll go to wherever I got to go as long as I can get in his presence. Mm. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. What if you're going through what you're going through so that he can produce perseverance in you? He's gonna fix your problem, but he wants to see if you'll push past the silence. He's gonna give you what you have need of, but he wants to know if you'll deal with the critics and the haters and the naysayers to get there. That when they say hush, you'll be like Bartimaeus and cry the louder. That when they're saying shut up, go back home, it don't take all that. You're like David when his wife condemned his worship. I'ma be like a madman. I'ma dance and become even more undignified. My God, I wish I had three people in this house that say I will bless the Lord. Mm. Five things. I'm going to give you the remedy, and you're done. You can go home. Five things that this woman did to keep the faith in the face of silence. If you're taking notes, write it down. You're ready. Number one, she came. <laughs> Part of your greatest miracle is showing up. <laughs> Some of y'all been looking for lightning. Some of y'all been listening for fire. But God said the mere fact that you showed up was a prerequisite to the miracle. The ma come, I came to preach to somebody and tell you the fact that you are here this morning is, ah, it's the percentage of the, of the miracle. Hallelujah. She came. See, sometimes the biggest part of the battle is just showing up. She had to get up from Canaan and come to Tyree. She would have traveled roughly 12 miles to get there. Why? Because the Bible said in Hebrews 11 and 6, but whoever comes to God. Spoiler alert if you haven't read the Bible. You will find out that 90% of the time, God requires you come to him. He don't come to you. Okay, play patty cake with God because I'm going to show you scripturally. The Bible says that if we draw nigh unto him, he and then in 
return will draw nigh unto us. What, what did I tell you just now? That you got to move first. You got to get up first. God said, I'm not, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. Mm, I'm waiting on you. The f- mere fact that she came, she showed up. She got up from where she was. She came. The severity of her child sent her to the presence of the master. The second thing, if you're taking notes, you ready? She, ca- she, she came, but then she cried. She cried. Oh, she cried. She cried cried. What am I telling you? You know, and I've been saying this a little bit lately and I'm going to keep preaching it because I believe it's an assignment of the devil. I hear so many times, so many critics and criticisms of people that say, I don't know about that church. It's just got too much emotionalism in it. I don't know about the other churches that they drier than a popcorn fart, as my mama used to say. And they so dead that if the coroner showed up, he wouldn't know which one to pick up and put in the hearse. My God, hear me this morning. I'm glad that I serve a God that still moves me to tears. I'm glad that I serve. You better be glad that I'm jumping in the church and I ain't jumping in the club. You better be glad. What am I telling you? She didn't only come, she cried. She had her heart into the seeking. Woo! If you want to keep faith in the face of silence, you ain't just got to show up. When you show up, you got to wear your heart on your sleeve. Oh, this is good teaching for you this morning. The third thing, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. You ready? She came, she cried, but then she confessed. If you want to keep faith in the face of silence, you got to come, you got to cry, you got to confess. What do you got to confess? Watch, watch what she confessed. She didn't just confess what her problem was. Lord, help me. My daughter, she's severely demon possessed. Help me. She also confessed right here when she said these words, Lord, oh son of David. Watch this. Oh, I'm going to help you this morning. Turn me down. I don't know what y'all did on sound, but you messed it up. Too loud. Thank you. She didn't just come. She didn't just cry, but she confessed. Watch this. She didn't just confess what her problem was. She confessed the identity of the one that could solve her problem. And a lot of times in the church, what happens, watch this, a lot of times what happens in the church is we isolate and we, we elevate the problem. We talk about my cancer, my back, my headache, my sickness, my diabetes, but we never talk about my God. And what we do is we elevate the problem over the problem solver. See, she confessed what the problem was. There's nothing wrong with confessing what your problem is. But how do you keep faith in the face of silence? Is you don't just go around confessing what your problem is. You got to start confessing that he is a bridge over troubled waters. That he is the lily of the valley. That no one may come at me in one way. They shall flee in seven. You got to start confessing. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment, it shall be condemned. You gotta confess. You gotta confess. 
in moments when Jesus is really silent, be careful of what you are saying too much. See, we have a problem. Another life lesson. When I was in law enforcement, because God was destined to get me in jail one way or the other. (laughs) And it's funny because I got moved all the way up. I was the uh, sergeant of the gangs task force because of my past. (laughs) You know, they say that criminals make the best cops. And so I understood, you know, the brotherhood of that. And so anyways, one thing though that law enforcement taught me, watch this. Anytime I was investigating or interrogating a criminal, they always told you as a cop, be quiet. That silence will be your greatest ally. And so a lot of times when I would get in a room and I would begin to talk about what was going on, I would initiate about what we knew to a certain degree. But then I'd shut up and I would sit. (laughs) And I would sit and they would talk and they would talk, but then they'd stop because they're waiting for me to respond. I wouldn't respond. But to keep awkwardness out of the room, they'd start talking again. And they would talk, and they'd tell me a little bit more. And I wouldn't say nothing. Then they'd stop expecting me to respond to what they said, but I wouldn't say nothing at all. And then because they would not allow awkwardness in the room, they'd start talking again. And next thing you know, they would tell a whole lot more than what they thought they wanted to say simply because they didn't want to be silent. You ready? You ready? Some of you are guilty of the same thing. That when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a problem, God is silent and he wants to know how much you will elevate and raise up your problem over the one that God sometimes is silent because you're talking about my cancer. You're talking about my marriage. You're talking about how bad your finances are. You're waiting on God to respond. God don't respond. So what do you do? You elaborate further on it. Now you start talking about, yeah, it's stage four. And the doctors, oh, come on, somebody. And the doctors said they could do nothing. You're talking about, yeah, he said he's leaving. He done signed the divorce paperwork and all you're doing is you are professing and confessing far more and giving it more life than what God ever wanted it to have in seasons of God's silence make sure you don't talk too much she confessed the fourth thing that she did you ready the Bible says that she came she cried she confessed but then she worshipped You do understand that it wasn't until she worshiped. Can y'all pull it up? Verse 23 and 24, please. Watch this. Verse 23 and 24. Let's read through it. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 25. And then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now watch, verse 26, and he answered. Stop, right there. And he answered. Watch, you ready? He was silent. Those close to her had shunned. She had came, she had cried, she had confessed, but it wasn't until she worshiped. When she worshiped, 
when she worshiped in the midst of her severity, when she got her focus off of the problem and onto the problem solver, when she cried out and said, Lord, help me. The Bible says he answered. What is the lesson? That to keep the faith in our seasons of silence, when God seems silent, is you don't get the right to remain silent when God is silent. That in the worship of this king and in this kingdom, there is no right to remain silent. That even when he's silent, your praise shall forever be on my lips. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. At times when you're talking, at times when you're loud, at times when you're quiet, at times when you're good, at times when I can't hear you, I will bless the Lord at all times. She worshiped. She worshiped. But notice that it wasn't until this point that she got a response. It was after she came, it was after she cried, after she had confessed that she worshiped, that he turns and he speaks to her for the first time. But can you catch something? Because I think this is really good. Dominion worship, y'all need to catch this. Dominion church, y'all need to catch this. Go back to verse 25 where it says that she worshiped. And she worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. Y'all, That's not worship. Sound is not worship. It didn't say that when she came to him, she called for the keyboardist and said, worship team, come on. He he had been silent, but the Bible says that she worshiped and watch this, her worship was a cry for help. I'll bring you more than a song because a song in itself is not what you have required. God does not require songs. You ready? God demands worship. There is a difference between singing and worshiping. There was not an instrument on the dirt road. There was not a harp player within a mile. And the Bible said that she cried out in help, but God called it her worship. And when you learn to worship when he's silent, when you say, I will bless the Lord regardless of how I feel, that my worship is not contingent of where I am, where I've been, or even where I'm going. My worship is under the one who is worthy. All of a sudden, we find that in the midst of our worship, that silence breaks and breakthrough comes. Stand with me all over the house. The last thing that she did, number five, was that she engaged. The moment her faith begins to move his heart, she engages with him in conversation. He saw her heart and her faith. And then he said, great is your faith. What was the greatness of her faith? I'll tell you what the greatness of her faith was. The greatness of her faith was that she came. 
The second part of the greatness of her faith was not that just that she came, but that she cried. And it wasn't that she just cried, but it was that she confessed. But she didn't stop after confession, even though he was silent. She pushed past the place and began to worship. And as she worshiped him, conversation pursued. And in the pursuit of that conversation, there was an engagement that happened that he told her, he said, great is your faith. Why? Because faith is not heard. Faith is not seen. Nor is faith even felt. See, your faith is going to another level when your faith is no longer about believing in a God you can see, but believing in a God who you can't see, and sometimes you don't even get to hear him. That's how you know your faith is going to another level. I'll never forget, when I first came to God, when I first got saved, God was speaking to me all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. I was talking to God all the time. But then I learned that the teacher is always silent during the test. And there would be moments that I would walk through difficulty and I'd say, God, where are you? God, where are you? Here I am, God. I've served you. I've worshiped you. I've done all that I know to do for you, God. And yet, God, you seem like you're nowhere around. And he would say not a word. But then it would be in those moments that I would find that there would be a drawing, that there would be a coming, that there would be a crying, that there would be a confessing. And as I did, my faith would begin to well up inside of me. And it would no longer be about a feeling, but it would be about the one who was faithful, about the one who saw me through last time and knowing that he'll see me through this time. It became about a God that though I can't feel him, I know he's with me. My faith would build, it would build beyond the precipice of, of, of trying to think that it's something that has to be felt all the time. See, the severity of this woman's passion destroyed the severity of the demonic possession. The Bible said that he said, great is your faith. And in that very hour, she went away. Watch this, watch this, watch this. She went away. And so did the demon. Watch. The Bible never said that Jesus went to her house. <laughs> Why? Because he didn't need to. Because this woman's faith went beyond the boundaries of sight. I believe that this woman's faith was at an all-time high that when she walked away from him, she knew she was going home to a daughter that was well. And she would not have to turn around and say, well, aren't you going to come? Aren't you going to come pray for her? Won't you come lay hands? She never, there, there's no conversation. Great is your faith and go your way. And the Bible says, and in that very hour, her daughter was healed. Watch this. She walked 12 hours. The average human only walks five miles an hour the girl was healed before mama ever showed up <laughs> can I speak and prophesy over some of y'all's life I know you've been in a season of silence I know it seems like God is distant I know it seems like God is far but if you'll come to him if you'll cry out if you'll confess if you'll worship and you'll engage in everything that he's engaged with you in this season that by the time you get home There could be instant turnaround. 
that you could leave one place and show up at the next, and by the time you showed up there, everything will have shifted. Everything will have changed. That what you called severe, that what you called detrimental, that what you called damaging, that what you called life-threatening, by the time you show up there, it could be done and delivered in Jesus' name. Here's my thought I have, and I promise I'm done. It's not the nature of Jesus to reject anyone. But the Bible says, whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Jesus seems so different in this picture. And as I studied into it, I realized it's not just that Jesus wasn't wanting to help this woman. Watch this. But he knew that his silence would speak more. See, it's in his silence that he put a demand on her faith. That demand would have not have naturally been there. But the supernatural demand created a supernatural faith in a supernatural faith received a supernatural miracle. How did it happen? Watch this. Because he was silent. A lot of us in this room this morning are waiting for God to show up and speak. But what happens when the way that God shows up is actually in silence? What happens when it requires God's silence for you to have the faith to make it through? What if it's not going to be a GPS situation that tells you to turn left and turn right, stop here, stay a little while, gas station straight ahead? What if it's not a step-by-step, turn-by-turn direction? What if it's utmost silence? But God says that in my silence, I'll speak far louder than my voice. What is Jesus' silence in this season? It's not because he doesn't have anything to say, but it's actually because he's doing his greatest work. It's been said that the teacher is always silent during the test, but what is the test? What if the test is not about what you think it is, but it's actually the miracle in the making that Jesus desires to increase your faith? What if the test is not your test, but the test is for your faith? The Bible says in 1 Kings, I'm not going to go into it, but Elijah, standing in the mouth of the cave, needs God to speak to him. 1 Kings 19, go home and read it. It says, Elijah comes to the mouth of the cave and the winds blow and the rocks crumble and earth shakes and lightning and fire. And the Bible says this most powerful part, but God was not in it. But then... Elijah takes his shroud, he takes his mantle and places it over his head. It's his covering. It's, his, it's a moment of prayer is what that it professes. It's a, somebody that's stepping into the presence of God. He puts it over his head and then he walks out again. And this time, the Bible says, a still, small whisper. God begins to speak to him and speaks the instruction of the next season that Elijah will walk into. Church, What happens when God's not in the fire, he's not in the wind, and he's not in the rain? But it's a still, small whisper. How do you keep faith in the face of silence? Well, you got to come. It's okay to cry. 
Make sure when you're crying, you're confessing. Not just your problem, but the goodness of God. And don't you forget to worship him. And while you're worshiping, when he begins to speak, you engage. And you watch and see if God will shatter, break, and destroy every stronghold that has been holding you and your family in Jesus' name.